the one question God is continually asking me. The one question God is continually reminding me. The one question He keeps repeating. The one question He keeps showing me. The one question He keeps laying on my heart. The one question that resonates in the midst of the storms. The one question that reaches beyond the highest mountains. The one question that reaches down to the lowest valleys. The one question that never fails. The one question that never ceases. The one question that stands above every situation. Do you trust me? Can I be honest with you today? I've been a Christian now for almost 19 years of my life. And I'm a professional Christian as I work as a church. Yet, I have struggled to trust God in my life. Growing up in my entire life, going to church, growing up, I've heard these two verses read over and over again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. But it seems that sometimes, no matter how hard I try, these two verses don't seem to stick. And in my lack of trust, And in my search for greater trust, what I began to realize is that trust is found in so many different aspects of our lives. It's seen in our relationships. It's seen in our workplaces. It's seen in the products that we buy, to the news that we listen to, to the schools that we send our kids to, and even to the very seat that you are sitting on today, whether in here or at home, on your couch, or wherever you may be. It took trust to sit down and that you believe that that chair would uphold your weight. And in trying to think through what is so special or what's so unique about this trust thing, it made me question, why do I place my trust in certain things? Why do I trust this thing and not that thing? Why do I trust this person and not this person? And what I began to realize is that trust is dependent upon the object in which you place your trust. For trust, the very definition is the assurance and the reliance on the character, the ability, the strength, or the truth of someone or something. But not only is trust, therefore, dependent upon the object in which you place your trust, but it's dependent upon how you view that object. Because what I began to realize is that you will only trust things that you have a positive opinion about. If you have a positive opinion about your spouse, your sibling, your coworker, a news station, you will tend to trust them or that object or that thing. But anything you think negatively about, anyone that said to you in the past that they were going to be there and they weren't, Anything that you bought and it has failed you, that negative thought, that negative hurt that it affected you will cause you not to trust them or trust it. But today I want to lob out the question that I feel like God's just been stirring in my soul this week. In the times that I sometimes struggle to trust God, what does that mean about how I view Him? When, I, when the Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord, 
Does that make you nervous? Or does that excite you? As you have the opportunity to step out in faith and confidence knowing how big you are? Or does it take surrender? Are you afraid because it means that you have to lay down what was ultimately never yours in the first place? Which is your control. See, what I believe is your trust is dependent upon how you view the Lord. And in here and in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, it starts off with trust in the Lord. And in this passage, the word Lord is actually the Hebrew word Yahweh. And this is significant because there's a lot of different words throughout the Bible used for either God or Lord. And anytime in your Bible you see the capital L-O-R-D, it represents Yahweh, which is actually God's personal name. And the first time we see God's personal name is in Genesis 2-4. And this is what it says. It says, In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And if we aren't careful, we can so easily just read over the significance and the weight of where and how this word is used. Because what this verse firstly shows us is that God, Yahweh, is the creator of heaven and earth. That in the beginning, he spoke and things happened. That when he spoke, creation took place from nothing. But it also shows that he is eternal. That since in the beginning, God, that he always has been and that he always will be the creator and sustainer of all things. So not only does this verse show us God's power, but he also shows us that he is the creator and that he is eternal. But God goes even a step further in Exodus chapter 3, 13 through 15, where he not only gives us an aspect of his name, but he gives us the meaning of his name. And before we, I read that passage, I just want a little bit, I just want to set the scene for us today. Because here we find Moses in the middle of the wilderness where he's tending his flock. And all of a sudden he sees this burning bush. And he's curious, so he goes over to it. And the Lord ultimately tells him, Take off your sandals, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then he goes on to tell them, Tell Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. I have heard their pains. I have heard their hurts. And guess what, Moses? I want to use you to go save my people. And this is what Moses' response to the Lord is. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your father says, Sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Before we go any further, I want you to notice what Moses asks. He asks for the Lord's name. And you might be thinking, why does he ask for his name? And I believe it's not just because he's curious. It is because he wants to know who he is. See, unlike today in which people name their children or their pets purely based off of celebrities or what sounds cool in culture today, names in the Bible carry great weight and they carried great value. Because it is based upon a name that you could determine someone's character, who they are as a person, and what they were made to do. So when Moses asks, Lord, what is your name? He's not just asking because he's curious. He's asking because if I can just get a glimpse, just an understanding of how big, how strong, how mighty my God is, then when they ask me who sent me, they will know who he is. They will uphold his character. 
So we continue reading. This is the Lord's response when he asks, what is your name? And this is what it says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of your Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Who knew that two small words totaling only three letters could carry such great weight and such great significance? Because it's in these two small words that we are able to see, just as in Genesis 4, that he is the creator and the sustainer of all things. It comes from the Hebrew word to be, that he is the always present God in the past, in the present, and in the future. It shows that he is independent, not needing anything else but himself. But what this verse also shows us is that the Lord is faithful. Because it says the Lord God, and he starts referencing the God of Abraham. See, in Genesis 15, God made a promise to Abraham that I was going to save my people out of a land for 400 years. Yes, I have heard your cries, the Lord is saying. I have heard your pains. I have heard what's going on. And I am faithful to uphold my promises. And that same reality, I believe, is true of you today. God hears your cries. He hears your pains. And he hears your hurts. But he says, I am the great I am. See, I am the one who had, at my voice the earth sh- trembles and the mountains shake. I know your past from your presence. I know your doubts and your pains. I know what lies ahead in the future, but what I'm asking for you to do is to trust in me. Because I am the Lord who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and steadfast in abounding love. I am the same yesterday, I am the same today, and I am the same forever. So let me ask you again. When it says, trust in the Lord, what are you thinking? Does it make you nervous? Or does it make you a little bit excited? As you use the opportunity to place your trust and faith in the author and perfecter of our faith. Because I believe it's when we start to view God in the majesty and the wonder of who He is, that we will begin to trust Him with all of our heart. Unlike today, where we, most of the time when people think of our hearts, we purely think about it as in our emotions. In the Bible, the heart represents the totality of a person. It's that holistic view of who you are. And what God desires is He wants all of us. He wants the holistic view, not only our emotions, but it also represents our will and our reason. God wants our holistic view of who you are. And that's the other thing I think really important to remember about what the Bible has to say about our heart. See, the heart in our Bible, yes, it's the seat of our passions, but it also is seen to be corrupt, wicked, full of envy and pride. But yet, it's even in those things that God calls us to place our trust. God wants your hurts. He wants your pains. He wants the very things that you want to hide and for no one else to see. He wants those aspects of our lives. He's saying, trust in me with everything that you are. And it's when we begin to trust in the Lord with everything, and we begin to see Him as the source of all power and authority, that we will begin to realize how futile it is to lean on our own understandings. We as people, we are fallible human beings. We came from dust, and to dust we shall return. And yet, so often we think 
we know it is best. And in our thinking, we often what we tend to do is we plan and we plan and we plan. We want to know what's going to take in our lives. We want to set ourselves up for success. And let me be clear, planning, I'm not downgrading planning, but we must remember this. Planning, yes, is a tool God may use, but it must never be a substitute for trusting God. I'll just say that again. Planning is a tool God may use, but it must never become the substitute for trusting God. The reason why is because our hearts and our passions are ever-changing, and we constantly fall short at the mercy of our temptations. And what God is asking us is to do is to trust in a God that never changes, that is the present I am that always has been and always will be. And the good news is, even when we sometimes fall short and we do lean on our own understandings, God is always there to be that person to cling to. He's always being that, being that person, looking, just holding out His hand, saying, will you help me? I'm here for you. And it's when we start to trust in the Lord and see that He is the all-present God that never changes, that we will be able to trust in Him with all of our heart and begin to take a steps of faith with Him. It's when we begin to do that that I believe that we start acknowledging Him in all of our ways. This word acknowledge, is it comes from the idea of having an intimate acquaintance with. It's not simply just the idea of knowing something. It's the idea of being aware of and having deep fellowship with. To the point that this thing or this person has such an intimate relationship to you that you recognize its supremacy and you therefore take it as a guide. So what God is asking, though, what we can't miss is one small word that's used two times, and that is all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. See, God wants a deep, intimate acquaintance with, with every aspect of your life, with your relationships, with your families, with your careers with your friendship and with your finances. He wants a deep acquaintance in all those areas of our lives. And when we begin to step out in faith, trusting that He is in control and He is sovereign, God makes us a promise that He will make straight our paths. See, this idea of making straight your paths is this idea back in the day when they would go form a highway. They would obviously have to level the ground, but it's this idea of smoothing. So what they would do on this road is they would want to take out any rocks or any boulders that were in his path. So when you walked across whatever it was going to take place in the future, they wanted to remove those rocks so that your path is the smoothest. And what God promises us in this text is that I want to make straight your path. I want to be able to guide you on your way and get you to your final end destination. This does not mean that there won't be mountains to climb. What this means is that God will guide us on the way in the midst of it so that he, we can get to His desired destination. And this is what I believe in this planning of the future and in our clinging to our own understandings. Sometimes what it causes us to do is to cling to our own strength, our own mind. And we yes, we plan and we plan in our plan. But when we begin to trust in Him, I believe we will start taking steps with Him. But that's why I believe one of the greatest obstacles to trusting the Lord is complacency. It's because we sometimes, we don't want to, in order to see what's down the road for what God has for us, we have to keep taking the step with Him one step after another. 
For Moses doesn't become a leader of a great nation if he doesn't take a step with God. He doesn't get to see God move in miraculous ways if he stays where he's at. He only gets down the road. He only gets to see what God has in store when he starts to take a step. But the thing to remember is, every step takes a step of trust. takes a step of faith. Because when Moses goes to Pharaoh, he has to trust that when he puts his hand into his cloak, that it will actually turn to leprosy. He has to actually trust when he lets down his staff that that staff will turn into a snake. Every single step, he had to believe that God was actually going to turn the Nile into blood. He had to believe that God would send the frogs and that he would send the gnats and that he would actually bring darkness over the entire land. And it is in this continual step, though, every single step that we take and we see God move, that we will find a bigger view of God and the more that we will come to trust him. And this is what I begin to realize. The more that we trust Him, the more we get to see how big our God is, the more you'll trust Him. And the more you trust Him, the bigger prayers are pray. Because this is what I believe. The bigger view you have of God, the bigger prayers you'll pray. The smaller views you have of God, the smaller views and the smaller prayers you will pray. And these big audacious prayers are not necessarily leading thousands of people to Christ. What determines a big prayer is where the dependence lies. What it means is that your source of dependence to accomplish that task is purely dependent upon God showing up. So any prayer that you can accomplish on your own is too small of a prayer. But any prayer that you pray that only can be accomplished through God showing up, I believe those are the types of prayers that God is calling us to step out in faith and in confidence, saying, how big do you think I am? Do you believe that I can actually show up in your life? Because I am the great I am. Do you not see me? And you might be thinking, though, right now, Stephen, trusting the Lord is a lot easier said than done. And I want to disagree with you. Trusting the Lord means trusting Him with every single step. During my junior year of college, there was a time in my life in which I was had all these ideas and all these things that I wanted to accomplish. And I set them out and I started making goals and I started making plans. But sooner or later... I found myself dead in my tracks because I got no from two different people. I can still remember I was sitting in a class and I got a text and it was told me no. In that moment, I, w- I tried to play it off. Like, I'm okay, everything's going fine. So I go to my next class and I can still remember this. I was walking in a hallway and I had my earphones in, music was playing, I could hear the murmurs of everyone around. But in the midst of all the noise, in the midst of what was going on, there was just a phrase that so clearly came into my mind. Do you trust me? And I sat in my class, the next class, trying to focus, and I, I tried to go throughout my day. I tried to go to the library, and I had a paper that I really needed to write, and I went to sit down, but I couldn't focus. And as I sat there, the one phrase just kept echoing in my mind. The one question that God kept asking me. 
The one question He kept reminding me. The one question He keeps repeating. The one question He keeps showing me. The one question He keeps laying on my heart. The one question that resonates in the midst of the storms. The one question that reaches beyond the highest mountains. The one question that reaches down to the lowest valleys. The one question that never fails. The one question that never ceases. The one question that stands above every situation. Do you trust me? Do you trust me when all you can see is the storms coming? When all you can see is your plans going array? When all you can see is the questions keep arising? When all you can see is your doubt? When all that you can see is your pain? When all you can see is trouble? When all that you can see is loss? When all that you can see is hurt? And when all you can see is your heart being broken? Do you trust me? Do you trust me when you feel all hope is lost? When you feel that you can conquer mountains? When you feel the shadows are lurking? When you feel that the enemy is coming. When you feel the warmth of my hand. When you feel the wounds of your past. When you feel that you are chained and shackled. When you feel like you're surrounded by your guilt. Do you trust me? Do you trust me when you hear the lies of the enemy? When you hear the footsteps creeping behind you, when you hear the echoes of your shame, when you hear the doubts in your mind, when you hear the depression building, when you hear the anxiety escalating, when you hear the whispers that only seem to shout the loudest, do you trust me? Do you trust me when you're afraid of tomorrow? When you're afraid of the opinions of others, when you're afraid of the relationships, when you're afraid of the trials that lay before you, when you're afraid of the mountains that need to be conquered, when you're afraid of the places that I call you to, when you're afraid of where I'm taking you, when you're afraid of where I'm leading you, when you're afraid that there's no chance of victory, do you trust me? Do you trust me when you doubt my plans are good? When you doubt the love that I have for you? When you doubt my answers? When you doubt the call that I have for you? When you doubt the situations I place you in? When you doubt the ways I'm going to use you? When you doubt my prayers are going to be answered? When you doubt the path I placed you on? When you doubt my goodness? When you doubt my grace? When you doubt my patience? When you doubt the power of my cross? Do you trust me? In the midst of the confusion... In the midst of pursuing your own desires, in the midst of the mystery, in the midst of the certainty, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the road you're currently traveling on, in the midst of it all, do you trust me? Sometimes, I believe in our lives, God's got to break us a little bit. To show us where our trust lies. He had to show me that I was leaning on my own understandings. He had to show me who he was. He had to ask me, Widger, where do you place your trust? And if the Lord begins to ask you this question either today or any time in the future, watch out. Because when the Lord starts to ask you, do you trust me? It's some of the most exciting, some of the most exhilarating times of what may take place in the future. Because it was from this moment, after I wrote this, that I saw God start to work in my life like a domino effect, one after the other. See, not after this, not soon long after I wrote this, that God began to ask me, do you trust me? He started asking me, are you willing? 
And I started to share with some of my friends. And after a life group at GCU, I sat down with two girls. And they happened to be going on a missions trip. And I was telling them what was going on. And I look at them, and, or they look at me, and they say, you got to come with us on this missions trip. He's asking you, do you trust me? Are you willing? you got to come. So I was like, you know what? I feel like this is kind of where God wants me. I'm going to trust Him in my faith, but I'm also going to trust Him in my finances because this trip wasn't free. So I go home. I start writing a support letter, and I have it all written out on the sheet. I have them all in the envelopes ready to send out. And before I send out the letter, though, I happen to go to a different life leader meeting that after this meeting, uh, the head coordinator of the group is like, hey, if you're interested in a local church internship, uh, this summer, uh, which I was at the time, I was like, okay, so my ears perk up. I'm ready to hear. He's like, then you should come to this meeting on Thursday. Uh, well, you have an opportunity to be a local church intern, uh, in the UK for two months. And I was like, and there was just this something in me that said, Widger, before you send out your letters, you have to go to this meeting. So I said, okay, Lord. So I wake up that morning and I did my devotions and I was happening to be doing a book called Experiencing God at the time. And I wake up the devotions and I read the devotions that day and it talked about world missions in the universal church. A little side note when it comes to planning, God rarely gives you the big picture, but he always gives you enough to take a next step. So I go to this meeting, and sure enough, I felt like God was calling me to take a step. But now, again, just like the other trip, it wasn't free. So I now have to go back, and I start to rewrite my letter. And I rewrite my support letter. And I sat down with my mom at our kitchen countertop, and I started to figure out how much is this going to cost. And what we did, and we, we came up with a number, and we wrote it down, and we said, I think it's going to cost around $10,000, which for a college student at the time was a lot of money. <laughs> and my mom goes, the only way this happens is if God shows up. And all of a sudden, I figured out what was my bold prayer. I figured out what was my God-sized task. So in my letter, I wrote, and I quote, Financially, my total need is $10,000. And in parentheses, I wrote, which is a God-sized task. And I sent out the letters. And after sending out the letters, God started showing up. All of a sudden, uh, a a $1,000 check came in from someone I still to this day have no idea who they are. People started donating stuff for a garage sale, which I almost raised almost $2,000 at my garage sale. And all of a sudden, through the faithfulness of so many different people, that $10,000 goal was met. And I can tell you, if it wasn't for that time and what God asked me, do you trust me? That I can almost guarantee you I would not be here standing in front of you today. Because God, through those trips and through these moments, continually has shown me what it looks like to trust Him. You see, I have a phrase now that I've seen God move too much in my life not to trust Him. And I believe what God is continually just saying to me is like, you can trust me. Because before the foundations of the world, before there was a sound, 
before the earth was set into motion, before there was darkness, before there was light, before the sun rose over your darkness, before you could take a deep breath, before you could doubt, before you were afraid, before you could see. I am. Do you still not trust me? You can trust me. Because I bring peace in the middle of your storms. I bring comfort into your pains. I bring confidence in the midst of your doubt. I bring questions to the answers that seem to have no answers. I bring light into your darkness. I bring hope when all circumstances seem lost. I bring faith when you are weak. I bring healing to your wounds. I bring love in the midst of your sorrows. And I bring the cross in the midst of your sin. Do you still not trust me? You can trust me because there was never a moment I wasn't loving you. There was never a moment I wasn't thinking of you. There was never a moment I was not forming you. There was never a moment I was not molding you. There was never a moment my grace wasn't greater and there was never a moment my power was not made perfect in your weakness. There was never a moment my mercy did not shatter your shame and there was never a moment my light didn't shine out your darkest places and there is never a moment I'll stop establishing your steps. Do you still not trust me? You can trust me because I turn your doubts into hopes. I turn your fears into, into your biggest stepping stones. I turn your fiercest storms into your rally cries. I turned a murderer and I turned him into a leader. I turned a shepherd boy and made him a man after my own heart. I turned a liar and I turned him into a rock. I turned a persecutor and turned him into a conqueror. And I sent a little baby boy to be the savior of the world. Do you still not trust me? You can trust me because I am your advocate. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the spirit of counsel, the breath of the Almighty. I am the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I am the Lord of Lord. I am the man of sorrows. I am your wonderful counselor. I am the head of the church. I am your faithful true witness. I am your rock. I am your high priest. I am the door that leads to your future. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the rose of Sharon. I am the light of the world. I am the image of the invisible God. I am your chief cornerstone. I am the author and finisher of your faith. I am the almighty, everlasting Father, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the King of kings, the Prince of peace. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am your deliverer. The one question that God is continually asking me. The one question God is continually reminding me. The one question He keeps repeating. The one question He keeps showing me. The one question He keeps laying on my heart. The one question that resonates in the midst of the storms. The one question that reaches beyond the highest mountains. The one question that reaches down to the lowest valleys. The one question that never fails. The one question that never ceases. The one question that stands above every situation. Do you trust me? Lord, I do trust you. And that's my question to you today. Do you trust him? Do you trust him in your finances? Do you trust him in your job? in your relationships, with your future? Do you trust Him to pray bold, audacious prayers that only can be accomplished if He shows up? So let me ask again, how big is your God? Maybe some of you either here in the room or online is like, I've been crying out to God. And I just seem to get no answer.
if that is you, I want to quick read to you Psalms 19, or sorry, 91, 14 through 16. And this is what it says. Because he who holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Do you know his name? Do you realize what stands the weight behind when we say we serve an almighty, all-powerful God? Because this is what God promises in verse 15. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him. In times of trouble, I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Here's the reality. As much as God wants us to trust in him, in our finances, in our relationships, with our future, there's no greater trust than placing him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. Peter at the day of Pentecost says this, Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. My prayer and my hope is that every single one of us, both here in the room and online, would begin to put your faith and your trust in a God who loves you and who sent his son to die for you on the cross. For here is the reality and here is the truth. God created this world perfect and without blemish. But in his sovereign will, he gave us the ability to choose him. He gave us the ability to trust him. But sadly, two human beings long time ago decided not to trust in the commands that God gave. And we're still paying the cost for it today. But the good news is, God didn't stay complacent with us. He took a step towards us. And he sent his son in the form of a man to die on a cross for us so that we might place our complete faith and trust in Him. So if you've never placed your trust in the Lord, I pray that you would begin to find ways and opportunities. Find people, whether online or in here today, find people that you can come talk to and begin to look, take those steps towards what it means to pl place your faith and your trust in God. But I believe for many of us in this room today and possibly online, what God is simply asking of us is to place our trust in Him. To trust in the Lord with all of our heart. To lean not on in your own understandings. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. Would you pray with me?